Mine's good. Come on, Brent. Life's good. Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Ooh, welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Ooh, hi, Sean. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Whew. Long week. How, how are you? How are you? Hey, if I was any better, I'd be two people, man. There you go. Yeah, right on. I'm. Uh, yeah, it's dark, and <laughs> we're recording, and I'm not seeing your face for the first time all week. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty different. Yeah, a little different uh, from what we were doing all week with the broom stacking over on the Facebook page. The Scotties was fun. I enjoyed doing that. Uh, nine days in a row. Nine days? Yeah. Yeah. It was Look a lot. You. Yeah. You, uh, you of course, abandoned the people in the middle of the week. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. All right. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, we just watched the final. We were recording this right after the final. Just saw the Vic essay. I did make Scott wait for about five minutes so we could see the Vic essay, which uh, is essential viewing for any of mm-hmm. these things. So we have Scott back to back champions, back to back, belly to belly. Carrie Anerson and her team <laughs> winning for the second straight year and, uh, for the second straight year, they don't have a world championship to go to, at least in the short term, which is certainly uh, unfortunate for them. But uh, congratulations to Kerry Anderson and the team. Scott, what did you make of that final? It turns out to be a 9-7 final. Carrie Anderson doesn't have to throw her last in the 10th end. What was your take on this final? Uh, it, it wasn't particularly close, I, I don't think, you, despite what the final score might tell you. It's you know, Anderson was in control the whole game. Holman was chasing the whole game. She never seemed perfectly sure of herself when putting the broom down, when taking the weight. Yeah. They, you know, when Rachel Holman's playing at her best, she's decisive, broom down, this is what we're doing. And I heard a lot of, what do you think of this? You want to do this? What do you like? Do you know. like this ice? There's a you lot of I, I don't mean? know. Yeah. A lot of I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is too bad. Uh, so what it showed me was that Anderson's team, you know, picked up on the ice a little bit earlier, was able to, uh, you know, take the game to Rachel Holman. Uh, they they were always on the offense. They were never defensive, except for maybe the ninth end where they ended up giving the steal a two. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they just sort of took control of that game and and weren't going to let go of it. Yeah, no question. And it was really from the start. So Rachel Holman had the mm-hmm. hammer in the first end, and there's a steal of one in the first. Holman gets a two in the second end. And then even in the third end, Carrie Anderson and the team were in full control of that end. They had a, I don't want to say an easy two setup, but a relatively straightforward two setup. And on Carrie Anderson's final throw, it was just too heavy, hung out, and she rolled out and only got mm-hmm. the one. But even in that case, you're thinking, well, okay, Rachel Holman dodged a bullet there, uh, gets forced back, and then a, a three in the fifth end, and she's down three, heading to the break. And and you, I, I realized that last year's game, this the, uh, this is not quite a carbon copy of last year, but very similar to last year, where mm-hmm. 
Rachel Holman's chasing the whole time, gets a break late in the game to make it competitive, give herself a chance late in the game, certainly. But Carrie Anderson is able to withstand what you might say is a big mistake late in the game, or at least a missed shot late in the game. Whether and We can talk about whether or not it's a mistake or not. But she's in such control of the game that she can withstand that and then still come back and win the game. And that's exactly what happened last year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing, Sean, that, you know, when Holman steals that too, I'm thinking, oh, oh, is this just like last year's game? Hmm. Right. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And, you know, Anderson gets that big three in the fifth end that it's, it's, it didn't really come out of nowhere, but it was like Holman trying to get, make the perfect role, you know, trying to put yeah. the rock in the perfect spot and just couldn't do it. And yeah. that's something we didn't really see from that team all week. Um, so, so I'll ask you a question then, Sean, do you think that team Anderson playing that semifinal this afternoon, do you think that gave them an advantage when it came to reading the ice, especially for what it would be like to play on a single sheet? Potentially, but, but I don't really know. So online on Twitter, it was pointed out to us that Rachel Holman did have a single sheet game earlier in the week against, or excuse me, uh, Carrie Anderson had a single sheet game she earlier did, in yes. the week against the Northwest Territories. Uh, so yeah, maybe that experience of having a couple single sheet games did help it today. I don't know. And I, I pointed out this morning too that the tiebreaker game was on an end sheet. I, I, I don't know if yeah. it was A or D, but it was on an end sheet. And I suggested on Twitter that perhaps it was on an end sheet for the advertising, you have no fans. And one of the reasons they put it in the middle usually is for the fans, that fans on all sides can see somewhat equally. And then the for television purposes, you have the empty sheets. So you can do whatever you want. But I figured in this scenario, maybe they just put it on the end because you have the big video board and the advertisers want their ads to be more prominent in the broadcast. And a couple of people said on Twitter, well, no, it's because they don't want the same team to play on the same sheet back to back because that gives a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. But then I look back last year, this was the case where the winner of the semifinal got to play on the same sheet in the final. That's what happened today with Carrie Anderson. She got to Actually, play on that I, sheet. I don't think back. it did. I don't think it did. I think they played on B this afternoon and C tonight. Well, but, that's not what Vic said. To, so, uh, oh, no, no, Vic said they were on the same. Okay. So, uh, so that, uh, that could be wrong, but I'm just, that, that is what Vic said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and according to the Curling Canada scoreboard, both were on C. Ah, okay. So, so I, I don't, I don't fully understand why the, the tiebreaker was on an end sheet, and the other ones weren't. Other than if you didn't think you had enough time to do a full scrape, get the ice ready in between games, where it's a shorter turnaround time between the tiebreaker and the semifinals. The only thing I could potentially think of, but I, I do wonder if if it does provide a competitive advantage because. It's not like you're doing a burn mm-hmm. <laughs> between games. So so maybe it does. And and last year, Brad Gushu won, having come out of the semifinal. Maybe there is an advantage there. And and in a format like uh, like we're seeing this year, right, where you know the first place team goes right to the final, do not pass go, do not collect $200, uh, yeah, they don't get a chance to, to play in that sort of playoff atmosphere. Right. So... So, yeah, you have Anderson, you know, two hours before basically getting, you know, going to work, going doing homework on the sheet that they're going to play on. 
And they were the team that picked up the the differences in the sheet a lot faster today. Yeah, and this is something I think that would be fun to track just as, as we move forward. Is there a competitive advantage to playing in the semifinal if it's going to be on the same sheet where the other team is is idle all day? Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, well, it seemed to me anecdotally tonight it was an advantage for for Gary Anderson. Yeah, they definitely had a, a better sense or a better uh, better control of the ice. They they knew it was going on. There were much more control throughout that game. No no question about it. Yeah. Uh, so Scott, let's talk about the ninth end. You, you mentioned mm-hmm. it. Rachel Holman gets a steal of two in that end. To me, this is the most interesting end of the night. Rachel Holman is playing for the steal. She's down two at the time, down seven to five. Carrie Anderson has the hammer. We have a center guard up. Rachel Holman has won basically at the 12 o'clock position undercover. Frozen to a yellow one. Then there's a, a center guard. Carrie Anderson on her first plays a, a, a shot. And she ends up right beside the, that stone at 12 o'clock in the top four. Rachel Holman hits it to be right beside it. And this is where the decision comes from. And Scott, what did you think the options were for Carrie Anderson? And what did you ultimately think of the decision she made? So uh, she had three options to my mind. Uh, option one, draw full forefoot. Uh, I think there was a high corner guard. Maybe not. Um, so that's there, right? Uh-huh. Uh, draw draw um, behind the guard. The second option, and I think what the best option was, is Rachel Holman's the shot that she threw with her last was accessible to be hit. Hit that one, roll out, concede a steal of one. Mm-hmm. You go to the 10th, uh, up one with hammer. The right. odds of winning that, I think, are in the 60, 70%. No, it's more than that. It's it's like a 90% yeah. uh, odds of winning the game in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, the option that she chose was to try and get real cute with that center guard and run her own rock back into the, the home and shot stone, which I don't even think would have made her shot. So um, it would have been was, tough to be shot. At I, I mean, maybe it would have, right? So like yeah. the, the risk reward on that, I, I didn't think was worth it. Right. Uh, like I say, I think, you know, conceding the steal of one uh, is, is the best shot. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I was surprised that they played it that way. And, and yeah, I think the steal of one is, is your best play. Uh, coming home with the hammer up one is great. And the degree of difficulty on the shot to give up that one is so low that she's going to make it 99 times out of 100 and the 100 times mm-hmm. a pick. And that, so so it made me think that well, I, I don't even know what I was thinking because I like you could play the draw to score potentially, but again, you're doing that against two and against the tie. And Carrie at one point said, do you just want to give him one? And the front end didn't seem too into it. Val didn't seem too into it. And she sort of went with it. But statistically, I really do think that is the play. Now, to be fair, you are not just playing against the statistics and the numbers because being up one with the hammer against almost any other team in this field is different than being up one with the hammer against Rachel Holman. So if you're in this mindset of, hey, if we make this shot, the game is over. And I kind of like that mentality of if we make this shot, score a point, potentially two if like 
if you get the absolute right break, I don't think it was ever there for two, but you win the game. And I always like the idea of let's just win the game. Uh, but on this one, I, I just think the degree of difficulty was so high and you were in such control of all the ends, except for the ninth end that just play it and be up one, take this, take the numbers. There's a very low chance that you'd ever give up a steal at two. The odds of two steals back to back to lose the game is so low that I, I just think from a number standpoint, the hit give up the one was, was the play. So Sean being up three points without the hammer uh, with one end to go is 96.9% win probability mm-hmm. uh, being up one with hammer is 86.3. So it's about a 10% difference. And then, so what you got to take into account is, was that shot makeable? You know, is, Wor- the is that worth the 10% worth yeah. it? Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, in my mind, no. Uh, Dean texted us actually, and he was also surprised at the, at the call. Uh, so I'm curious what uh, the listeners think. What did, uh, what did they think when she made that call? Because if I'm Rachel Holman and I'm standing there, I'm ecstatic that that's the shot she's playing. Right. That's what I want her to play. For sure. It gives you a chance to tie the game. Exactly. And, and you always want to think, what does my opponent want me to do? And then maybe don't do that. Sure. Now, now, I mean, you know, she won like, but, but like she didn't, she didn't have to make it that close. No, no, no question that, that she didn't. And yeah. Yeah. So is the 10% worth it? And again, those numbers are all games all the time, right? Where you look at that. They're not playing against, arguably one of the best teams in the world, right? So, you know, you take that with a grain of uh, salt, but you also do have to assess what the situation is in that game. And the team that you are playing has struggled with the ice all night and they have struggled to get rocks in the right position. So you take that into consideration. And so that's why I would have leaned to that. Of course it did work out for them. And again, she missed it and being tied coming home with the hammer isn't a terrible situation either. No, that's a 72% win probability. And this is over the last three seasons for only women's events right? Uh, per curling zone. So, so yeah, so she lost, what, 14% probability of winning, but was yeah. still still heavily favored to win. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. So they made the determination that it was worth the risk. And I mean, okay, I, I mean, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where the angles didn't look great. I would have liked it if she had uh, she had made it, like she had made contact, because I would have I would have been curious just to see what had happened with those mm-hmm. angles. Would the stone that was frozen? It depends on where you hit it, but it almost looked like it would have geared back up and maybe gone out of the house around the like two o'clock position. Yeah, and maybe hey, if you get a blank there, that's great too. Yeah, not sure if the blank was ever there, but I don't think it was ever there. But uh, yeah, like even even just giving up one was the I think the optimal play once you were in that position. Yeah. So big win. They come back tenth end. Rachel Holman needed a break. 
Unfortunately for Team Ontario, Joe and Courtney had a stone hog, one of her guards, and even mm. in the five rock rule, you get one hogged, and that is kind of it. Yeah, yeah. Wonder. Uh, I, I wonder what Lisa Weagle was thinking when that happened. Eh? <laughs> yeah, there's some tweets about uh, about that, and that's just an unfortunate break for for Joe and Courtney. Again, the whole team struggled all night with the weight. So it's just too bad that, that that happened in that spot. Rachel Holman and the team do get a bit of a break. Carrie Anderson's first one. She's trying to roll. Uh, Holman comes deep on her first, a draw that was, I think it was supposed to be a freeze comes a little deep into the back four foot around the seven o'clock position. And Anderson noses it. So Holman mm-hmm. does have a freeze to force a draw against the tie or excuse me, against the loss in that spot uh, and uh, unfortunately for Rachel Holman she comes heavy misses everything goes deep ends up being two for Anderson because she had one in the eight foot as well a little anticlimactic at the end there for the team with the hammer in a tie game not to have to throw their last one and I gotta say Scott when Rachel Holman went to throw it I just expected it to be made and oh yeah you know that's one of those things you just don't expect from Rachel Holman to to miss a shot like that in a, a big moment. Oh, for sure. No. And she, she had just, just thrown the exact same shot basically. Yeah. And so she said it to her, uh, to her sweepers, like, you know, it's two rocks higher. Yep. So just a little less. And, you know, whether she, whether it was more weight or she just popped it a bit more and it stayed out in the good stuff. Right. Cause her first one, they were yelling like, it's through it's through mm-hmm. and then as it crossed that slide path uh really really died and, and stopped back eight mm-hmm. and and that was that val was able to sweep through and i i don't know i so i have not seen the end of every canadian women's championship that has ever been played but that had to be the i don't want to say most awkward celebration of all time but it felt like it just felt weird yeah. for the game to be over and it to be silent. Yeah, that, there, there's like, nobody cheering, right? Yeah, today is the first day. I hadn't really noticed it all week because you have other games going on. There is that ambient noise. Yeah. Today I noticed it all day, but particularly late in the game where there was no crowd. And right at the end there, it just, it. I don't want to say it fell flat, as a as a moment because of course it's exciting it's a national championship back-to-back wins for a team but it just it felt off not to have the the crowd there for sure for sure and and you're right they were sort of like screaming but trying to not scream too loudly because <laughs> right like it was kind of weird yeah. and rachel holman was like kind of stunned that she'd missed the shot yeah and yeah, it was really weird, really, really awkward. I think yeah. awkward's the right word, Sean. Yeah, and throwing no handshakes either, because normally yeah. you might have a little celebration, then shake hands, or shake hands and then celebrate. In this one, you just sort of look over at them and wave, and then sell. Like, so the no handshakes didn't help with yeah. with that either. So you know, I, I do wonder. I, I'm sure they'll say, and I'm sure it, it'll be genuine when they say it that it was super exciting. It was great. And yeah, they would have preferred if all their family could be there, but Hey, they had them on the board and it was great. And mm-hmm. you know what, of, of all the national championship wins, I'll remember it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know? I, I mean, Curling Canada has done a great job in putting together this bubble, and it seems like it's working so yeah. far, knock on wood. But, you know, one thing they could have done is maybe cut that audio from Brad Gushu's shot in St. John's and just, you know, yeah. had it on, on hand just yeah. for the celebration. Or turned on some music, even. Yeah, yeah, they turn on music when the crowd's there, right? And I hate yeah. it. I hate when they turn music on during the timeouts. Yeah. Because I'm like, uh, I want to hear what they have to say. Right. But I'm thinking just in that moment, end of the game, turn some music on. Or, I mean, even let, well, I'm sure Jeff Walker and Laura Walker probably wouldn't have wanted to walk over uh, and watch the game. But if any of the men are there for the briar already, mm-hmm. uh, if if they've gone through the the proper protocols in quarantine, let them in. Uh, at least you have some sort of noise, something. I know most of the other teams had left by now, so you couldn't have yeah. the other players there. But just have someone there who's in a position to make some noise. Or let the uh, uh, let the audio from the Zoom call. Just on, let it right? ride. Yeah, just let the audio go. And uh, anyway, uh, Sean, I, I wanted to ask you: Is Rachel Holman the Buffalo Bills? No, she's won three. So, but but she hasn't won three with the team she has now. No, that is an accurate statement. But she's also only lost one with the team she has now. Right. So I mean, I mean, there's there's a resiliency to getting there. I watched. I, I'm asking because I watched the Four Falls of Buffalo a couple okay. of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and like. Those Buffalo teams were so good. And yep. because they lost four Super Bowls in a row, people say, oh, the Bulls, they weren't that good. Like, to get there is really hard. Mm-hmm. As you know from, you know, the Buffalo Bills never making the Super Bowl since then. So, you know, it's really hard for Team Holman to get to a final. They've done it the last four that they've been to correct six out of the last seven times Rachel Holman has been to a Scotty. She has made the final. Yes. And she's never not meddled at the Scotties. Correct. Except the first or no, 11. Yeah. And 11, she lost the bronze medal game. Yeah. She's never missed the playoffs. So like pretty outstanding. Yeah. But do you think there's anything in her head about? No, no. I can't win. No, I really don't. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I think yeah, the way she lost in 19, certainly it was uncharacteristic for her. No question. Uh, that was yeah. a, a game that I think you and I, and I still feel this way. And we said it at the time was that that is a game that she lost more so than Chelsea Carey won. That Rachel Holman had some misses on, on some pretty straightforward shots. And uh, I mean, full credit to Chelsea Carey for winning the game and putting stones in, in certain positions. But they're shots that you'd expect Rachel Holman to, to make. And then mm-hmm. last year and this year, they just, you know, you just struggle with the ice. You don't have it. And even that, Scott, both those games, they didn't have their A game. And last year, they lost in an extra. And this year, it was tied coming home. So if you can do that and not play your best, that's pretty impressive. And again, I think the analogy falls short when you acknowledge that she's won three, she's been to the Olympics. I I don't, and yes, she has not won one since the Olympics. And if somebody wants to craft a narrative that 
the Olympics and the struggles that they had at the Olympic Games in 2018 have somehow carried over into this quadrennial, I really don't think that holds water because she's won elsewhere. She's won a Canada Cup. She's won slams. She just hasn't won three Scotty's finals in a row, but she's gotten there. And you know who hasn't gotten there? Pretty much everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to fall into any sort of narrative of Rachel Holman has lost it or, or anything like that. If you want to look at a Buffalo Bills analogy, Brendan Botcher certainly fits it better. And they had a brilliant tweet tonight when, uh, not, not to sort of sidetrack too much, but the odds for the men's, for the Briars came out. And uh, I think they were plus 400 to win. And uh, I assume it was Darren Molding tweeted back from the Team Botcher account. What are our odds to finish second? <laughs> which, which is just brilliant. Uh, but but no, I, I really think that if you're looking at the top teams in Canada on the women's side, I think you might be able to make a case that Jennifer Jones and, and her team are not as big of a threat as they used to be. Uh, still one of the top teams in the country, no question. And in the past, in the last quadrennial, it was Jones Holman, and this quadrennial, it's Jones a- or excuse me, uh, Holman Anderson, and mm-hmm. everyone else is sort of playing for third place at this point. So I'm still very impressed with this team. I don't think that anything is in her head at all. I think she's had far too much success for something like that to happen, and I don't anticipate a situation where she finishes her career as a three-time Scotty's champion. Okay, so she's not Chuck Knobloch with the yips. No, no. No, I, I agree. She's not. She's not. I just wanted to say Chuck Knobloch. Uh, <laughs> all right, so... She lost uh, three She lost three games over 10 days. I, I, think, I, think, I think it's fine. Yeah, she can make the throw from second to first is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, all right. And if you look, and and sorry, if you look to like some of the shots that she she did make, I mean, she drew the pin multiple times to save ends. Yes. The draw against five today. Yeah. Like the struggles and and the positioning was earlier in the end. And we talked on the broom stacking about how we, we pinpointed Emma Miskew, but really the whole front end of the team has to support her in some way. I mean, we joke that, yes, it's a skips games. The, the skip is, that's why the teams are named after the skips because they're the ones and their shots are the ones that truly ultimately matter. But to score multiple points with rare exceptions, you need the other players to put things in the right position. And tonight, if you look at the front three players on both teams, I don't think it's any discredit to team Holman to say that Carrie Anderson and team Canada outplayed them on the front three positions. Yeah, absolutely. Emma did shoot 78 to Val's 75, but as they mentioned on the broadcast, Val really picked it up uh, in the second half of the game. Yeah. Uh, so struggled a bit early, and then uh, from that fifth end on, was really, really uh, on fire. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's totally fair because we did we did ask, you know, we would we would look for that matchup, and so it was yeah. pretty even. But then if you go back to the seconds and the leads. Yeah, Team Team Canada held a, a strong advantage there. Yeah, and if you look just through the week, I don't think Carrie Anderson threw a minus herself, uh, nor did Rachel Holman. So 
from from the draws I'm seeing. So yeah, uh, very impressive for both well, skips all week. Rachel long. Holman on draw twenty one did end tonight. Okay, draw twenty one that was against uh, Jennifer Jones. Oh yeah, that well yeah they got when they got spanked. They got beat up pretty good there. Yeah, nine one. Yeah, yeah Oof. that was a. Uh, uh, that was a tough day or a tough uh, draw for them. Yeah, overall, if you're looking at it, uh, yeah, Carrie Anderson, plus eleven on the week. That yeah, uh, that's insane. That that's insane. She they played fifteen games, and she was plus eleven. I think only fourteen. Oh, excuse me. Yes, four. Oh, that makes it even better. Even fourteen even games better. plus eleven. That's Bonkos. Yeah, and the ones. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so congratulations to them. As I mentioned off the top, it is unfortunate that at the moment they don't have a world championship to go to. We would expect there to be something, whatever the World Curling Federation decides to call, whatever they're going to do, whether they call it a world championship or whether they just call it an Olympic qualifier, Carrie Anderson is the team that is going to go to this unless mm-hmm. for whatever reason something comes up that they can't but i the only things i can think of are are things that would be bad and i certainly don't want to put that out into the world right. uh you know so uh, i i certainly hope that uh it, it works out that they can go and represent it I, I was very touched if you will about how open val sweeting has been this week about the struggles she had over the summer the disappointment that she felt of not being able to play in the world championship last year in part because the team was there everyone was there ready to go and mm-hmm. they pulled the plug so hopefully for them they can do it and certainly they'll be a, a worthy representative for canada whenever it is that they get to go out there and play and i think the only question now scott is will they play in scotty's 2022 or will they be the olympic team yeah, it's it's not crazy to think of, right? You know, two-time defending national champion going into going into that uh, Olympic trials qualifier will probably be the favorite. I think so. I mean, this Holman team will be there, uh, but you know, we we talked about you know Jennifer Jones owned Carrie Anderson for so long, and then Anderson got over the hump, won Manitoba, and now has won two Scotties, uh, you know, Holman and, and she's beaten Holman for both of them. Yeah. Pretty so, good. yeah, I, I would say those three teams are probably the, the three teams to look for. Yep. Um, maybe whoever Chelsea Carey ends up with, whether that's, you know, uh, team flurry or another team, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, but I think that's, that's sort of the, the field. Yeah. To, the picks to win. I mean, it would be nice to see maybe Krista McCarvel's team come. They have to come yeah. through the pre-trials. They didn't get an event to, or an invite to the pre-pre-trials. No, that's right. And last time they came through the pre-trials as well. Yeah, Krista so. McCarvel has never gotten a direct entry into the trials. She's played in it twice. Yeah. And never gotten the direct entry. Had to come through the pre-trials both times. And the time she wasn't there in 2013, she had been at the pre-trials and wasn't able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's always been her route, just the the schedule that they play. So... We'll see, we'll see what happens uh, as we move forward. But I, I'll say, is just reference to the trials, all those teams who are playing in the pre-pre-trials are pretty happy with the outcome this week. 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, an extra spot opened up for that uh, pre pre trials event, as you call it. Yeah. Because that's what it's going to be called. <laughs> cool. So, at that. so Sean is going to be, what's what it's going to be. There yeah. you go. So uh, overall, as we wrap it up here, what do you think is the story of this week? I think it is Carrie Anderson and her team coming back after a very challenging year. Obviously, they are a team that is separated geographically with Val in Alberta, the rest in Manitoba, uh, coming together, not having seen each other, uh, not really having a chance to play after that. After that, And again, knowing what we know, given how open they were about the struggles they had, the disappointment they had last year, being able to come back and really just dominate this event wire to wire. The loss to Rachel Holman on Thursday afternoon, yeah, that that put the Team Ontario into that pole position, and they were able to get first place. But there was never a feeling, Scott, that for me at least, the Team Canada was vulnerable at any point. Even when they lost that game to Rachel Holman, they were never really a threat to miss the playoffs. And no. in the playoff games, the two they played today, they're just in control the whole time. So to me, that is the the main story, not just because they won, but because of the circumstances surrounding them over the past year. So for mm-hmm. me, it's Carrie Anderson and, and the team. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the, the number one story. If you're a, a sports columnist, right, you're probably writing about this team and, and the resiliency coming back from the disappointment of not going to the Worlds last year. I'd say the the secondary story. I mean, you could write something about about Team Holman, but yeah. uh, but it might be the, the young teams that sort of came up uh, here with uh, you know Team Quebec, uh, Beth Peterson, even yeah. Mackenzie Zacharias. This sort of changing of the guard at the Scotties that I think we we've seen the first sort of start of it this week and. Uh, you know, whether Jennifer Jones, you know, it's whether it's her last quadrennial and she steps back, there's a lot of talent in Manitoba that's waiting uh, yeah. to come through and get that uh, get that spot. So I think that's th- sort of another theme for the week. Yeah, and, and it'll certainly be interesting to see how it all plays out with those younger teams. Obviously, the, the Manitoba situation, it's it's tough. Like there's so many good teams in Manitoba mm-hmm. to come out. There is going to be some changing around of teams, probably a little bit this summer, but certainly next summer, uh, it's going to be yeah. wide open in terms of who plays with who as we start a new quad. So to see who steps away from the game, because certainly there will be some folks who do, who continues, who wants to break out, make their own team potentially, uh, people who used to be skips, who maybe want to go back to skipping, or people who are currently skips who don't want to skip anymore, because we've seen that that has been a successful model as mm-hmm. well so just seeing how that uh, comes all together and then yeah the the younger teams can they maintain the success and put things together we saw team quebec they went 0-4 in the championship pool hopefully that doesn't create any sort of disappointment in the week that they had because it was obviously a great week uh, but yeah we hope that they can get out maybe play a little bit on tour next year they might be a pre-trials team too to look out for uh, they're not going to be at the pre pre trials but they could be a pre trials team that comes through and if they are there in saskatoon next year assuming that the event still takes place in saskatoon they'd be a fan favorite going into that 
So it's just a, a team to look out for potentially, see if they can sustain mm-hmm. that success. And then, yeah, do, do the Manitoba young teams look elsewhere potentially to yeah yeah like uh, a different province i mean uh carly burgess of course from nova scotia so has has birthright there yep. uh, she lives in manitoba now but uh you know maybe she puts together some teams to play out on, or some players to play out of nova scotia who knows mm-hmm. and as john jonathan mentioned yesterday on our our little pod stack that you know this quebec team could be the next kind of Brad Gushu sort of auto bid team. Yeah. You know, if they want to stay with it and, you know, Quebec does have some good teams. Um, but if they end up being the strongest and can keep coming back and keep building that, uh, that winning pedigree, you know, uh, it, it took Brad Gushu a long time to win a Briar. Sure did. But he got a lot of experience by going to Briars. Yep. So, yeah, something to look out for there. And the logjam in Manitoba will be, as you say, interesting to to see how it shakes out once the quad is finished. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a lot to keep track of there for the future as we look forward. A couple other things just to come out of this, Scott. I believe at, during our preview episode, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I said strongly that Pool A was much stronger than Pool B. I believe I said something along the lines of, Pool A would try to steal Pool B's lunch money. I thought you said that about Pool B. Really? I mean, I don't remember. Okay, well, someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'll just say Pool A in the championship pool, 12 and 4 was the record against Pool B. So mm-hmm. over those 16 games, those two days, Pool A certainly dominated the play once we got to the crossover. So not surprising that the three playoff teams come out of pool a in that scenario. We've seen that now a couple of times where one pool dominates the championship round and gets all the mm-hmm. playoff teams. So just a, a bit of an interesting tidbit there and something to keep track of as we move ahead to the briar, uh, just a bit of housekeeping too. in 2017, which is the most recent time we've had this format, I guess of three teams and one team not playing, uh, into the final uh, and, and then the, at the trials, right? At the trials. Yeah. And the team has a full day off at the trials round Robin ends Friday semifinals on Saturday. So a full day off the teams that had the buy to the final went one and one. So Cooey finished first on the men's side and one Chelsea Carey finished first on the women's side and lost. So mm-hmm. not that that's enough of a sample size, but just thought I'd point that out. Perfect. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so uh, that'll do it for the 2021 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. What a ride, Scott. Oh, great ride. It's fun to have curling back. Uh, I'm I'm pretty tired. It, it was a long, <laughs> a long week. You know, it wasn't in game shape yet. Sure. But uh, I'm sure by next week for the Briar, I'll, I'll be in the better rhythm. Uh, <laughs> I got to say like working from home is nice because I can have the curling on in the background. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I obviously don't watch it all day, but it is nice to have on and you can like take a look when you hear a good shot or yeah. at least are aware of the scores and all that. It's kind of nice. Yeah. It, it is nice background and something different too, just to break up the days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a lot of monotony for a lot of people for a long time. So, uh, yeah, nice to have some curling in our houses and nice to have some Vic on our TV. 
Yeah, gotta love it. Vic. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, the Vic essay was exactly what you thought it'd be. I gotta yeah. say. Uh, you know, the signs, he talked about the signs of COVID around the arena. Uh, and all the signs were different this year, except for on the ice or something like that. Uh, well, so I, love, yeah. I love the Vic essays. Yes, very good. Yeah, and it was worth delaying this podcast for five minutes. To get the Absolutely. Uh, so also just the last bit of housekeeping. It's got our picks. Our picks. From the start of the week, you had wildcard one, Chelsea Carey winning this event you also had manitoba and canada into the playoffs so in our old scoring system you get one point for that i had manitoba winning i also had canada and ontario into the playoffs so i would get two points in the old system tiebreakers don't count even though i gave myself half a point earlier today yeah you don't you don't get a half a point i do not but uh doubling up on you right now Well, good for you. I'll make it up in the briar. All right, uh, and I'll uh, and on Twitter I'll post what my record was picking the games. I picked all the games in the office pools and did okayish in the round robin, and slightly less okayish. I think I went ten and six in the championship pool. Uh, I got tonight's game right, so hmm. uh, I'll post what the final record was there. Uh, I'll, and I didn't. Uh do great in the fantasy currently neither i was in the low like like high hundreds low hundreds isn't like 120th okay so i uh i didn't get a chance to register before the scotties but i'll be in for the briar so we'll go head to head yeah see where we see where we land right on all right so that'll do it for our scotties recap i will encourage everybody to check out two girls in a game this week whenever they post uh, Lori Eddy, who is the skip of Nunavut, will have some behind-the-scenes stories of what happened in the bubble and talk about all the things going on. So do check that out. And, of course, we have been broomstacking all week on Facebook after the games, uh, after the afternoon games. And on Friday night into Saturday morning, posted some of our favorite moments through the first seven days of the event to give you a sense of what we've been talking about, some of the themes that emerged over the course of the week over there. And if you want, you can check out all of the broom stacking videos. They're available on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Game of Stones podcast. So a lot of fun there. We had some guests come on. We'll do it again for the Briar, which should be a lot of fun. Kicks off Scott in, I don't know what, like 120 hours or something. Oh boy, that's a lot to uh, think of. Yeah, (laughs) give or take. Yeah, around that. So the the Briar is coming up fast and furious. We'll be back early this week with our full Briar preview. We will talk about all 18 teams that are heading to Calgary to join the bubble. The great reunion. Scott, do you think on Twitter or some other form of social media, Team Mm -hmm. Gushu will do a slow motion montage of Jeff Walker running towards Brad Gushu as they see each other for the first time since they won the Briar last year in Kingston. Ooh, like a little chariots of fire style, like <laughs> yeah. music where they run towards each other in slow yeah. motion. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I'll put the odds at uh, 100 to 1, but I like putting some money on that. Okay, yeah. A nice emotional reunion to those guys. It's, it's hard to believe that uh, those guys who spend so much time together haven't seen each other since yeah. the Briar, since Kingston. So... Uh, kind of crazy times. 
pretty pretty crazy. I agree. Yeah. And Scott, as we come up on it too, I'll just say that February 28th, last year there was a February 29th. I believe that was the last time I was in a hotel. You come up on the anniversary of that in Kingston. That's right. Before, uh, bef- during the briar, during the yeah. briar. Uh, yeah. Maybe you had coronavirus, Sean. I did not have the coronavirus. I had a something. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. not feeling the greatest at the briar, but the fact that I was around so many people and nobody else got sick made me think it wasn't this. Yes, probably not. Probably yes. not. But we're glad <laughs> that you're feeling I, better. I, it would have been awful. Uh, to have Briar canceled, this guy responsible. It's just my face on the national. <laughs> I can just imagine the picture that they'd use. Maybe your like Twitter avatar or something. I'm anyway. okay with that. I have hair in that picture. It's fine. Oh, that's right. You changed it from your Saskatchewan cape. Yes, I did. I, I, <laughs> I got career advice to change it from the Saskatchewan cape. Very good. All right. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah, it's late. Let's get out of here. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Like I said, we'll be back early this week with our Briar preview. So do check that out. And of course, the best of our broom stacking is available. And please do subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of it. Wherever you get your podcast, do the likes, ratings, do comments, helps us beat the algorithm, helps other people find us. And you can follow along with all the things going on with us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. You can also follow the Facebook page, as I mentioned, for all the broom stacking updates. And head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. You can find all the past episodes there. Plus our explanation, our FAQ of the Olympic qualifying for Canada as well as the merch. We have the t-shirts that are available. We are also working on changing it up a little bit, maybe offering Mm -hmm. some new things as we will continue to have all the proceeds for things go to Food Banks Canada, but maybe change it up in part because it's like, I want to order some some different things. So we might uh, change up some of the merch offerings over there. We've looked and started the process of looking into that. We'll provide updates as we go forward. And of course, do let us know what you want to hear on the show. Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. Always happy to hear what you have to say. So that'll do it for us. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back with you in a day or two, but until then keep those brooms on the ice. Don't dump that intern. Make the final.